ready? Man, I can't wait. I can't wait because I know what's in store the next couple of weeks. That where where it's it's leading us to. Um, let let's bow our hearts and and you start off with a prayer yourself, preparing your hearts and minds for this, and then I'll close us out as we begin. Father, we just humbly bow here in your presence and we're just so thankful, Father, that you're here with us. Your son said when he walked this earth, he said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, we're there in the midst. And so, Father, we welcome you, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, and your word to be among us. We thank you, Father, for being a God who wants to dwell among his people and to live in them and to be with them. No other God wants to do that. That's a so-called small g God in this world that other people try to serve. You are the only true and living God. And you are a God of love who says, I want to be with my people and to have fellowship with them. And Father, we, we welcome you into this place. And Father, you knew long time ago that we would all be gathered here together as your body of Christ, as the bride of Christ waiting for the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, that one day he's coming back for us, Father. And we, we are studying a little bit about this today. And as we do, and we break open your holy and divine word that lives and abides forever, Father, we pray that you will energize us, that you will give us peace and understanding, and that we will be encouraged by these words and comforted, Father. But most of all, we pray that our worship to you today is glorious to you and acceptable in thy sight. And we pray that you are exalted and honored by our worship and praise to you, Father, in all that we do. And we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody know, anybody had coffee this morning? Oh, wait a minute. Ron, yeah. Okay, go ahead. And uh, I've been kind of led to, to do something more for the Lord and just sit in the pew on my blessed assurance. <laughs> and, uh, and John Gennier, he was the catalyst for this. So I went. And yesterday I went again. And I've, I've been through a whole year. So today, uh, yesterday was my anniversary of being in Cairo and uh, having my, having been part of a ministry. Amen. And if you want to see a miracle, you need to go to the clothing. Yeah. At the end of March, we're going to be going to the prison for four days, and we're going to teach these men about God and Jesus. And if you want to see God work in that front row seat to a miracle, you need to come to the closing. Amen. And I encourage young men, if you want to do something, that it, it helps you, but it helps the body of Christ. Be involved with Kairos. Come see me or John Gennier. Amen. Thank, Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Yes, I can attest to that too, and it's a it's a great it's a great work, and we will have a sign up sheet. Um, we will start.
probably beginning now because we're about an, um, a month and a half out, we're going to start with some of our fellowships like on Wednesday nights and, and the kids upstairs. We will start doing placemats um, and posters and things that they take in there. Um, we'll just share a little bit about what that is. Every, every, they get the, the three meals with us whenever you go in. And they got placemats, little paper placemats that they put underneath their trays for them to sit there. And what happens is, is that kids from all around the state, all the churches that, that the people that are inside represent, those, those kids and even us adults, we, we draw on it, we, we put a Bible verse, whatever the Lord moves your heart to do to put on there, and they take those in and they set them down at the table so that when they get their food and they come and they sit down, they've got a placemat that somebody has showed them that they love them and that there's things on it. Uh, posters go up. Prayer chains go up. We, w we will be putting out prayer chains for you to sign up just to say that you're going to pray for, for them in there. And they take those strips. You just put your first name. That's it. And that we're going to be praying for you. And they, they staple those together in a chain. And they bring those out each day to show the, the men that are in there that these people are praying for you today. The placemats showed that we loved you. And cookies, we will be baking cookies for the men to take in. Cookies save lives. And one of the things that they ask them to do, see, they, don't, they get prison food. Did you eat prison food yesterday? It's, it's not very good. Man, I'm telling you, that, um, one of the meals that they had, it was supposed to be like hash it was dog food. I am straight up telling you, there was not enough salt in that place to make it taste good. So I finally just stopped. So one of the things that draws them in is the cooking because they are fed immaculately during those four days. But our missionary that we support in India, if you look at our board back there in the foyer, our missionary came here one time when I was first here and he said, that before their VBS and before their, they teach the kids, they feed them. And he said, hungry belly, no can learn. I agree. You feed them and that food and that camaraderie and that love begins to open up the heart. And I've seen rival gang members who were eyeing each other the first night, like how am I going to be able to kill this guy now that I've got him in here? Three days later, they got their arms around each other and singing Stand By Me and, and different songs. And then we, take, we give them cookies every day, all that they want. We try to take in about 40,000 cookies if we can. And then they share those one day. You give them to them on the day that they learn about forgiveness. And then you give them cookies that night and say, Take these cookies to your worst enemy in here. You have now asked for forgiveness and you've learned about forgiveness, but the Lord said that forgive our debtors as you have forgiven us. So now you want to in turn take these cookies to them and tell them that you forgive them of everything and that you care about them and you want to share those with them. And co those cookies have saved lives. Because you can go on YouTube and Google Kairos cookies and you can watch a man 
who gave his testimony that he was, had nothing to live for. He wanted to die. And so what he was going to do, the, the couple of guys that he hated the most, he was going to kill them so that they would kill him. They threw him into Kairos. The Lord changed his heart. And he took those cookies to those men he was going to kill. And he tells you that cookies save lives. So whenever we start building this up for that march, we want cookies, we want prayer chains, we want placemats, and then we want folks to go as a caravan on that Sunday after services to meet over there and to go in and watch because all of those men will be able to give their testimony of what those four days of, with the Lord meant to them and your cookies and your prayers and the lives that were changed. So I, I pray that, that we as the body of Christ will get behind this for, for the Lord so that he can work some miracles. They get the toughest case people because the only way you change the, the inside atmosphere is by changing the inside of people. You've got to change their hearts and then that change, and if we can touch the toughest of the tough, it trickles down. And, and it changes the entire atmosphere of, of the men that are in there. So I pray that uh, the Lord will bless all of these efforts and save a lot of souls on, on that weekend. Yes, it's your way of being a part of, of a ministry and, and serving the Lord too. Thank you, Ron, for bringing that up. And how many had coffee this morning? You know how Moses made coffee? He brews it. Remember? I just had to do that. <laughs> How about we just move right along? Last week, <clears throat> last week we began looking at uh, the question, are we in the last days? And I'm going to say yes, because the Bible says that we're in the last days. After the Lord's resurrection, we went into what is called the last days. We are in the end times, the last generation. Now, with that being said, are we in the last days of the last days? Are we at the end of what we know and I'm going to say let's keep our eyes open and look because the Lord gave us some things to look at to know if if those things are beginning to happen and uh, those can be found in Matthew 24 I think it's Mark 13 and Luke 21 it's called the Olivet Discourse and there right before he went to the cross he gave out things to be looking for when these things are going to be taking place and starting to happen and so we're going to take a look at a few of those things as we, as we get ready to go because uh, speaking of those signs, you remember what the Lord said that some of the things that you want to look at is like pestilence, earthquakes, um, famines, and those sort of things. When you begin, he says in Luke 21, he says when you begin to see those things, look up for your redemption is nigh. So let me ask you about some of that. Uh, let's take what's happened in just about the last month to five weeks. This, this time since about the beginning of the year. What is in the news right now? Two big things that might be involved in some of this stuff. Amen. That's what pestilence is. The coronavirus. Those plagues is what the Lord termed as pestilence if you look it up. It's the plagues that goes out, and that's the biggest news that's going on right now, isn't it? It even overshadowed that there, uh, the, the world is now talking about a peace plan over there in Jerusalem, 
and getting all of those folks together, which is also kind of symbolic of some things that's going to happen, isn't it? Now we've got the coronavirus, but did you know that there's also some other viruses? You probably haven't even heard that because we're all focused on the coronavirus. Did you know that in Africa that the Ebola virus is spreading over there in the Congo right now, and uh, this month 22,000, I mean 2,200 people have died from that? Way more than the coronavirus. I guess they don't think that that one's going to spread to us like the other one, so you don't even hear about it. But know this, those people who are our eyes and ears for the Lord that's watching these things are watching around the world. And the Ebola virus is breaking out. Did you know that there's some other viruses that are out there going on right now? Swine flu and bird flu are both out there. I don't know if you saw that, but in the last couple months, I don't want to put an exact time, it's been last couple months to now, did you know that over in China, that's where some of this started because it started with the swine flu? And do you realize that, that they are the most populous place in the world and they are the ones that eat the most pork in the world and they, they have the most pigs in this world? They bought Smithfield Farms and all that, by the way. You know they own that, right? So, but did you know that swine flu has wiped out one-third of their pig population they tried to bury it and this river ran red flowing into North Korea and they're trying to block all of this junk coming in to there from the outside world but one-third of the pig population over there has died from that virus and they're trying to contain that the bird flu is going on over in Europe in Poland and France and Thousands of turkeys and chickens are dying. Reason I even bring that up, what was one of the other ones? Famine. Soon, we're not going to be getting shipments here for a while with that coronavirus. Did you know that? The, the people that I try to look to that are watching these things are saying that this is a man-made virus and it has a signature to it. And it doesn't act like a normal virus does. Normal viruses need hosts to be able to transport it. This virus can live on surfaces for two and a half weeks. Did you know that? No, they're not telling you that. You want to know why they're beginning to stop all of the things coming in from China? They, they're telling you about the planes, but they're going to start stopping all of the ships, the cargo ships, because they are packing all of that. People are... Where did our corporate people sell us out to? They did. In the last two decades, they have sold us out to China for cheap labor so that they can make profits. Now everything comes from there. If that virus lives on surfaces and everything that they are shipping to us and we are taking in, some of it could be contaminated. This is how these things spread. Why would the Lord give us these it's just now coming into times to when those things could take effect because the days before transportation, that would never happen. It would be isolated in the places that it was because people, until 200 years ago, you was either in a ship that the wind moved you or a horse or a camel, and that's how you made transportation. And so there wasn't worldwide travel. Now... 
that we have the, the mechanical gasoline, diesel engines, and steam power. Now we have ships, we have trains, we have planes, and all of these goods and all of these people go worldwide. So now we can have worldwide famines. We can have worldwide pestilences that goes on. And so we've got to watch very carefully. Be very careful. Wash your hands very well with the stuff you handle because it's coming in from China and it can live for two and a half years. I'm just, I mean, two and a half weeks. I'm just saying. That's why they have no idea and why they're already talking about these pandemic things because they have no idea what's coming in, what has came in in the last two weeks and how that those hosts that it's went to can spread that through here. So be very careful. Another thing about pestilence, you probably, or I mean famine, you probably haven't seen it. That Africa and all the way from the, the east coast of Africa, all the way through Saudi Arabia and, and all of the places down there, all the way over through India right now, has a locust plague. Have you saw that? Millions upon hundreds of millions of locusts are wiping out that area. They haven't had anything like it in decades and decades that they know of. Do you think food's going to be growing there now? It wipes out everything. What about the fires in Australia? Do you think that land has anything to harvest now? Folks, look up. Your redemption may be nigh. How about another one? How about we go with, um, with earthquakes? Did you know that in the last month, it started with Iran with a 5.1? We have went, it shook their nuclear plant, and they was worried about what might have happened with that. After that, it went to Colombia in a 6.0. Canada three weeks ago had a 5.8. Then Puerto Rico got hit with a 6.4. Then Russia was hit with a 6.3, and they was worried about things there. A week later, which is two weeks ago from now, there was a 5.9 and a 5.2 that hit Peru. Did you see any of that in the news? After that hit, a third and a fourth massive quake went there. And then the quakes woke up the volcano over in the Philippine Islands, and thousands were evacuated. Did you see that nine-mile-high plume that went up from that? Then we had a quake in Tennessee about a week and a half ago on the New Madrid fault line. Alaska was hit with a 6.2. Turkey smacked with a 6.7 that left many people dead and damaged all the buildings. Five days ago, 6.3 in the Solomon Islands. And then three days ago, maybe four days today, was a 7.7 mega quake that rocked Jamaica. Now we've had all kinds of little ones. These are just the big ones. It was over five in the last month. Folks, things are happening. You're seeing pestilence outbreak. You're seeing, I'm not saying we're going to go today, but I'm not saying we can't go today, okay? The Lord, when his ministry was here and before he left, in those chapters, when he gave that discourse, he said five times through there, be awake, be ready, stay focused, stay laser sharp, don't fall asleep on me. Stay focused. And so that's my job at these times, and especially when people are asking me because they're seeing all of these things, it's my job to explain to you that, yes, you need to live each and every day as if the Lord might come today because he just might. The Apostle Paul, 
believed that. And we're going to find out in a minute how he wrote to them all the time. You be ready right now. You be ready to go because it could come. And you know what sets our part? Last week we began talking about this. And we said what sets our God apart from any other worshipped thing in creation is prophecy. Because God has said that there is nobody else that can tell you the future like I can. I am the only one that knows it and I said it. And I don't share that with anyone else. He said, there is no one else that can do this. And we looked through Isaiah 44 and 45. We talked about that time of Cyrus. How that in Isaiah's time, 160 years before him, he detailed by name that your mom and dad is going to name you Cyrus and you're going to be my shepherd. And I am going to be the one who opens up the, the places for you. I am going to hold your hand and lead you through here. He even writes that the river is going to be diverted. You are, I'm going to put that in the minds of your people when you go into Babylon as how to conquer it. Every step the Lord laid out perfectly is what was going to happen. And when Cyrus came to be king after they conquered that, history historians bear out that it was Daniel because Daniel is the one who records all of this too. And Daniel, it says by the historians, took that scroll of Isaiah and opened it up before Cyrus because he was the number one person in the country. That night that Nebuchadnezzar died, he put the gold chain around Daniel's neck and he said, you're the number one man. And when they came in, they spared Daniel, the number one man, because he was a godly man and God was leading him and had his hand behind this. And so the number one man opened up for Cyrus when he came, that scroll, and he saw that 160 years before now, I knew your name, I led you to here, I'm the one that won the battle for you, and now I want you to send my people back to rebuild Jerusalem and the wall because I've afflicted them enough. They spent their 70 years in, in captivity and now it's time for them to go. And this isn't on my list, but I'm going to share something with you that we're going to talk about one day. Do you know God is a God of the little things? The things that we don't think are important in his word, God thinks that they're very important. Do you know why they spent 70 years in captivity? Does anybody know why they spent 70 years in captivity? They weren't obeying the word of God, and so God had to discipline them so that they would obey him and realize that he is God. But you'll read in another portion of Scripture where it says, one of the Ten Commandments was that you will honor the Sabbath, right? That was, that was for them and their time. We're going to see something here in a minute that shows us that, that there is a New Testament now that is in place. But part of their Sabbath, the land also had a Sabbath. And every seventh year, you were to, to trust in the Lord God to carry you through. That in those six years, he would provide enough and you would store enough up that in that seventh year, you wouldn't till the land you would let it rest just like you're supposed to rest every seventh day. And then they didn't do that. We don't do it today either, do we? We try to get as much out of our land every year. We, we want that income. We don't want to let it rest. So for 490 years, they didn't honor that seventh year Sabbath and let the land rest. And so the scripture says 
You spent 70 years in captivity, one year for every year that you didn't let the land rest. 70 times 7 was 490. After 490, 490 years of not obeying my word, I'm reminding you that I am the God of the little things. I, I want, if I said it, you better believe it and do it, okay? And so, God here is telling us that he's the one that knows the future and that he's the God of the little things. And I held Cyrus's hand and here's how we got to this point. I want you to know that the God that we serve is the only true and living God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. And he knows history and he's going to bear it out and he's left a road map for us and we're going to follow it. We're not going to listen to anyone else or anything else. We're only going to listen to his word because he is the only one that does know the future in all of this. Now, God left us a detailed road map going into the future, which the bride of Christ, which is us, we are the bride of Christ, that, that has left us with what to know and to look for and what's going to happen to us. And if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you are. There's not a more important decision that you can make in this life. You do not want to face what's coming, either in this life or in the afterlife, if you are not in Christ. Trust me, you do not want to face eternal separation from God in the lake of fire eternally. And... If the Lord does come today or sometime in this lifetime, you don't want to be left here to face what's going to get ready to happen. I, so you need to make that decision today. God, uh, there, the one thing that we're going to do in the next couple of weeks that I want to start sharing with you is that God is a God of patterns. So you can see from the patterns in the word of God the things that God wants us to learn and to teach us. For example, I think we need to, uh, I'm all over the place, Miss T, go up one more. Genesis 3, 21, lovingly tells us about God's grace. Here's a pattern for you. I want to give you an illustration of what a pattern of God is, okay? When man fell in the garden, took of that forbidden fruit that the serpent tempted them with, and they took of it, do you remember what happened when they took that bite? Except for what happened? What's the first thing that happened? Yeah. Their eyes were opened. They realized that they were naked. And that sin was there. Now, when that happened, also they were, what? Ashamed and afraid. So what was the fir first thing they did after that? You remember? They, they started trying to cover up themselves, didn't they? With, with fig leaves, they went out there and they got these fig leaves and they started covering themselves up. And then, and then they heard the voice of God walking in the garden, didn't they? And they were still afraid and they did what? They hid. They went and hid behind some trees thinking that God don't know where I'm at. Now I want to show you two patterns that's going to start going on here then first pattern is this man tries to work 
to cover themselves up and to prove themselves righteous, don't they? We, we try to make ourselves look good before God, and, and we try to do this, but how's that working out for you? It won't, will it? It's not your battle now. It's not your battle to fight to make yourself righteous in the eyes of God. You're supposed to now try to live like Christ the best that you can because you have been saved, you've been redeemed, you've been purchased with the blood of the Lamb. But that was his battle to win for your salvation. I couldn't. Now I just believe and trust in that. And because he has changed me into a new creature in Christ, I want to be like him. So I want to walk and I want to live and I want to be like him now. But it does not work out very good for you if you think that by my works and my things, I am going to earn my way and God owes it to me. Because all that's going to leave you is still naked and ashamed and afraid. And when you hear the voice of God, when the word of God, the people of God approach you, you're still going to draw back. I know I have when I've been out of fellowship. Does it, does it not intimidate you a little bit when you know that you've been doing what I want to do in my way and not his, and somebody else approaches you, don't you feel that? Don't let that happen to you. I want to show you the pattern that we want to follow instead of man's works and man's ways. The pattern that we want to follow is God's ways. What's the next thing that happens on that? God says this. He said that, I'm, a, I'm still all over the place. I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> God, God did this. God looked at them in grace. And God, it says, the scripture says that he clothed them with skins, didn't he? Let me tell you, that's the first pattern that's going to run from Genesis 3 to even taking us into the heavenly realm at the end of time. Here's the pattern of God. God does the work. God did the planning. God provides the sacrifice. And God clothes us with righteousness. He looked at them and those fig leaves that they tried to do on their own. He said, no, no, no. Here's what we're going to do. And so that first sacrifice then, to get skins, you've got to kill the animal, don't you? So the first blood sacrifice for our redemption came at that moment. The Lord God took the life of an innocent animal for the life to, to save and to cover the sins of the guilty party. And that blood sacrifice then led to them believing in God's work for them, and then God clothed them with skins of righteousness. Let's, let's look at why that had to happen. Let's go to the, the next slide then, the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. I know that's very small, so if you've got, you got your scriptures, I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to be here for a minute. It goes on at the start. How much more then? He's talking about us nowadays because this pattern goes all the way through there. Now Christ takes the place of those animals. God did the work of Christ upon the cross. God did the planning. God offered up the innocent one for us. His blood was shed for us, and now we are clothed with 
Christ and with righteousness. And it says this, whenever it starts up there in verse 16 of the book of Hebrews. I'm just going to get my Bible out. Hebrews chapter 9. Talks about Christ then dying for us. And we get down to verse 16. He is now the mediator of the new covenant by us. We've got a new covenant now in verse 15. By means of his death, the redemption of our transgressions under that first covenant are now also covered by him. For where there is a testament, there must be the death of a testator. So the New Testament was not in effect until Christ died. He brought in the new will and testament that taketh away the owed. The testament is in force after men have passed on. It has no power while he lives. But the first covenant was not dedicated without blood. Do you know what they did the entire time? Like when they built the temple. This is going to go on to say right here. That when they built the tabernacle first in the wilderness. They took the blood of the goats and the bulls and the lambs. And they sprinkled it upon every item. They sprinkled upon every part of that tabernacle and all of the things that made it. They sprinkled it on every item that went in, on the altars, on the candlesticks, on the implements, on the tables. Everything had blood sprinkled on it. You know why? It purified it. Blood purifies and forgives. And that was the pattern that was being in place for whenever Christ comes. But the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. But the blood of Christ can. And so it was a pattern. It was a shadow of those things that was going to come. So he sprinkled everything with blood. And then it says this. Uh, this blood of the covenant in verse 20. Which God has commanded you. He's, they sprinkled with blood the tabernacle and all the vessels. According to the law. All things are what? Through blood. Purged purified all things are made pure sanctified and set apart and holy by that blood without the shedding of blood what's it say after that there's no remissions of sins you see that's why fig leaves don't work and that's why our own works don't work because it took the shedding of an innocent blood for something to be purged and for those sins to be forgiven and for you and i to be purified and to brought in to acceptable relationship with Christ Jesus through his sacrifice that was. And according to that, without it there is no remission. Therefore, it is necessary that the, what? Patterns. Told you God likes teaching patterns, don't he? These patterns went all the way up even to after Christ in his death, this scripture says, that Christ, when he died, took his blood into the heavenly realm, he walked in to the temple that is in heaven because everything, this book of Hebrews will tell you that the temple that was on earth is a pattern of the one that was in heaven. And he goes into the heavenly one and one time the priests that were down here had to offer it all the time because those blood of bulls and goats couldn't save you from from anything it rolled them forward it was the pattern but now that belief in that was the same thing as believing on what was to come which is jesus christ 
And Christ only had to die once for our sins. And he went once into the presence of God and offered himself and his blood upon that altar in the heavenly realm for us. And he no more has to do that. Now you are purified through that. And our faith in that work and that pattern of the operation of God is what we follow now. So I want you to understand that God teaches us in patterns and that there's a purpose and a pattern behind everything that he is uh, teaching us and relays to us and that's going to go with the end times as well there is a pattern of judgment we're going to study that one next week there's there's a little advertisement come back next week bring somebody with you because next week we're going to start wading in some deep waters we're going to start wading in the patterns of judgment and what about us and what about the rest of the world and what does the book of Revelation say about it too because that is God's roadmap to the future. He wrote it for us to know and to follow. But there is this pattern. So God in grace had started that back in Genesis and it goes all the way to the end. Remember what did he say happened when he offered up that that. Uh, animal in the garden and he took the skin and what clothed them covered them oh. told you there was a pattern look at Galatians chapter 3 Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 and 7 so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith for all of you were baptized into Christ have what wait a minute say it out loud Yeah, Miss T, give me that next slide. That's not it. That's the one I took out and put this one in this morning. So I guess I shouldn't have done that. God clothed us, it says in Galatians chapter 3. Man, I've, I've had a rough week, tell you. We are clothed with him. So not only is he the pattern, but just as that blood that was shed purified and saved, but God then clothed their nakedness and their shame with the skin of the animal. We are clothed with Jesus Christ through that same faith in that same offering in that same pattern. And you know what that means? That means he don't see me anymore. I am covered and clothed with Jesus and when he sees me now if I have been clothed with him like he just said he sees Jesus and he does not see me any longer and so now I don't have to run and hide and be afraid do I I don't have to say I got to sew these fig leaves together and I'm still afraid of something no God did the work he did the plan he offered the sacrifice he purified us and he clothed us with his son i'm going to show you another pattern in a couple of weeks that's going to blow your mind so come back in two weeks too okay so the blood of christ does all that and it's a pattern and that's what i want us to begin to realize that the bible is a pattern and that there's a pattern for this end times that we're looking at and that that's the key and just like old Friday was in uh, in Dragnet. You remember whenever he'd go up there and they'd start rattling off some things. He goes, just the facts, man. Just the facts. That's all we want. 
We don't want hearsay. We don't want opinions. We want just the facts if we're looking about what lies ahead of us. So now God's revelation in the end time. Now I'm caught up. So it says in chapter 1 and verse 1 of this wonderful book, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to us his servants. So what you find in this book is what God himself gave to Jesus Christ to share with us about what is going to take place and what must. That word must means it's a definite. There's no changing it now. He wrote it, he recorded it, and we are not changing it. These things must come to pass. And he signified it with his angel, and that means every being up there knows about it, so we can't change it. This is what's going to happen and it says he bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's a big word because now we're in a legal setting, aren't we? Whenever you give a testimony on like a court of law, that's your word and it had better be just the facts. This is just the facts that God wants us to know about his son and about what's going to take place and this is his testimony, his written testimony and record of what is shortly going to take place. And he revealed it through John, and this is his testimony, and he bear record of this. And this book is the only book that has the audacity to say in verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and those that hear the words of the things in this book. The only book in the Bible that says you are blessed if you read this and you understand it. Why? Because it's going to give you hope. It's going to give you peace. It's going to give you comfort. It's going to show you how much you're loved. It's going to show those who don't believe why they need to believe. Because what's going to happen after we are taken out of this place. And so you want to be in Christ. But that's why God gave it. He gave it to us for that reason. So now I'm going to start talking about this pattern then of end time and what's going to happen. Christ had always said, watch therefore, because you don't know what hour that the Son of Man doth come. There is nothing that stands in the way of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coming. Before, there were different prophecies, there were different things that had to be fulfilled before he is coming. But after everything was fulfilled up to the death, burial, and resurrection, and the ascension up into the right hand of the Father, now... There is nothing that stops his return. Nothing has to happen. And that's what I want to show you in this pattern. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. This book, Paul is writing to them just like to you and I. It's for us too. It's to the saints. And it's for us to know about these end times that people are looking for. If there's something that has to happen, Paul didn't know about it. And the Holy Spirit was guiding him. Look at what he writes in, in verses 9 and 10 there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You have turned to serve the true and living God. And to wait for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the, head, or from the dead. This Jesus who what? From what? I want you to say that again. He'd what? That's a promise. The wrath to come is what these 
people are talking about and they get all excited about. But guess what? We're not going to be here, are we? Because he what? Delivered us. He's, gonna, he's not going to allow us to see it. He delivered us from the wrath that is to come. That's, what, that's why you can have comfort by reading these things and knowing and understanding. You don't have to worry about this anymore. That is a part of the pattern that I'm going to show you in a couple of different ways. We are waiting for the return of God's Son from heaven who He raised from the dead that delivers us from the wrath to come. And there's nothing that stands in the way of His coming because if... And, and bless their hearts, I, I love all Christians. And there are many beliefs. And I, and I love a teacher that I admire very much and went to be with the Lord last year, and he said this about these type of things. There are people on all sides of the aisle on what's going to happen, and they are people who have dedicated their lives to the study of the Word of God. They are sincere. They love the Lord, and but yet they might be on a side of when the Lord's coming that's not represented with the way I'm doing it. I love them. One day we're going to find out who, what is really right because it's going to follow exactly to his word. But I'm trying to tell you what I see from his word and what as the, the one who teaches you, I want you to know what I feel is the absolute truth so that you can have this confidence. And he says this, there is nothing standing in the way. If, if we had to wait until the end of the seven years of tribulation then he couldn't come today, could he? No. We, he could not come today, and Paul wouldn't be saying, watch every day and live your life as if today was the day that he was coming if we had to wait through the seven years of tribulation and read all of the things in Revelation that's going to happen, could we? We just couldn't. Because when you would see those things and you start seeing those seven seals and the seven bowls and the, the seven vials coming apart and, and the, the famine and the, the horses with death and, and pestilence, when, when they really start hitting, you'd say, we've started and I've got seven years, so for the next six years I can kind of do what I want to and that last year I'll, I'll be good as gold. No. It don't work that way, does it? Because he has delivered us from what? The wrath to come. And so there is nothing standing in the way. He said be ready today as if today was the day. And if, if we had to wait for all of that, we would kind of know the countdown. That's going to be for those who have not believed in this life to apply severe enough pressure that hopefully they will believe in the Lord before it's too late, before the end of that time. So we don't have to go through that, do we? Then Paul goes on to exhort them after that. It says, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we, we go from chapter 1 to chapter 5 as he gets ready to close his book. He continue, continues to comfort them with these words. He says, brethren, concerning the seasons and the times, you have no need that I should write to you because you yourselves, what? No, perfectly. Why? Because he's telling us. You, what do they know perfectly? That the day of the Lord comes like what? How could he come as a thief in the night if we had to wait for seven years? Couldn't, could he? 
we, we would kind of know it started here. Sometime in this last seventh year, he's going to come in. No, I'm going to come as a thief in the night. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Now, how can the day of the Lord come as a thief if you have to wait for that? Verse 4, but you, brethren, and I love this because we quote that he's going to come like a thief in the night. But listen to those who are in Christ and know the truth. Listen to what he says. But you, brethren, you're not in darkness. So that that day should overtake you. How are we different? We've been given the roadmap. We've been given the word of God that guides us so that we will know. Verse 5. You are all sons of light and of the day. We are not darkness. We're not deceived so that that day would overtake us. Watch then and be sober and be ready. Don't fall asleep. Don't be drunk like those in the night who are sleeping and thinking that nothing's going to really happen and we've got a long time. No, be sober, be ready for his return at any moment. You better put your breastplate of faith and love upon and your helmet of salvation upon your head and get ready. Why? Verse 9 is a big one. Underline it. Highlight it. Look at verse 9. What does it say in verse 9? Amen. Why do you not want to be in Christ and living today as if the day? He said, if you are and you are sober and you are ready, you will not face it. You have not been appointed to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. And then whether we wake or sleep, we are going to be gathered together with him. And then what does verse 11 say? Comfort and edify. And that's what we're doing today with these scriptures. You don't have to worry if you're in Christ. He's taking care of you. You know why? You are his children. You are his sons. You are the heirs with Christ. You are the bride of Christ. Do you think he wants his bride to suffer through all of that? I wouldn't. And he's way better than any of us. He, we are not appointed to that. He has delivered us from that. Praise God. Comfort each other then with these words. Don't let it worry you and get you all caught up in anxiety. And then he says this. And we're going to close with this. Verse 16. Rejoice always then. Man, you've just been relieved of a bunch of worry. Rejoice. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And that means even in good times, or in bad times, don't it? Even in bad times, in, in everything, give thanks to him because of what he has done for you because it is the will of God, whatever it is, in Christ Jesus. And don't quench the spirit of God that's within you. Don't despise the word of God that he's saying is what's going to happen, the prophecies. Test all things, all those things that people are throwing out there. And when they test them, if it doesn't match this, toss it out. You've got to test all things. Abstain from every form of evil, and the God of peace himself will sanctify you completely. Your whole soul, spirit, and body will be preserved and blameless at what? He's going to come and get us before all that stuff. Amen. So comfort each other with these words, and this is a pattern of God that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks too. So 
as the worship team returns and, and we close this out. Man, I hope that you are edified this week. I hope that you are comforted. I hope this gives you some peace because all of the things that are going on can get you a little unwound, can't it? It can get you a little worried and about what's going to happen. But he says, comfort each other with these words. You're not appointed to that sort of stuff. And we're going to see next week as we go into another pattern and the book of Revelation on what it says is going to happen with us. But what we've learned this week is that God teaches in patterns. I don't want to try to do it myself. I don't want it to be by my works and sowing my fig leaves because that still leaves me scared and afraid when all of this stuff it comes pouring at me. No, I've got a Savior, Jesus Christ, who did the work for me. He's not going to allow his bride to see all that. He's going to deliver us from the wrath to come if we are in Christ. And he says this, just like I clothed the Adam and Eve with the skin in the garden and offered that up, those, again, in, in Galatians chapter 3, who believe, who trust in that work of God, and then you signify that trust by your outward expression of faith, you, you are baptized into Christ. It says, God now clothes you with Christ, and you are his. You are, whenever, whenever the Lord brought Eve to Adam, he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, didn't he? So... And for this reason shall he leave the father and mother. So the Lord left the father, came here, died, so that we might be the bride of Christ. So that now, if you are the bride of Christ, you are bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. You don't die again. He died once for our righteousness. And he has now clothed us with that. So I pray that you've done that. If you haven't, let's do that today. If you have, I hope you're edified. I hope you're rejoicing. And I hope you're comforted by the things that we've studied today. And I hope you come back and bring people with you next week because we're going to dig deeper. And we're going to uncover some more stuff that, that solidifies this faith that we have on what's going to happen. Let's pray. And Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word that you gave as your testimony, as your solemn expression of who you are, of the things that must shortly come to pass. And you gave it so that we would know and understand. And you have the promise of verse 3 of that book that says, Blessed, happy, rejoicing, comforted will be those who hear this and who reads it and who understands it because this is what God wants to reveal to his people. Father, thank you for being a God who loved us that much that you want to reveal it to us. And that you did the work and you provided the plan and you gave us the son. You used his blood to sanctify us when, when we were your enemies. You still went ahead and did it so that you might draw us to us. And we love you for the God that you are. And we praise you for the God that you are. And you deserve all honor, glory, and power. And we ask all of these things and your blessings upon this body of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He's the one that, that, that gives us this peace and comfort.